0: It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show, senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
1: Daily Assist brought to you by our friends at Lee's Heating and Air. Check them out online com. Out to the Sprint special guest line we go. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for ninety-nine ninety-nine. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Of course from Sports Illustrated, our good friend Chris Mannix. Chris, how are you? How's your family? Everybody doing okay?
2: Everybody's fine. Just, uh, i'm sure going a little stir crazy at this moment but you know it's the way it
0: goes
1: well i'm sure everybody in the nba world uh, ourselves included are are going a little bit stir crazy with the kind of the uncharted territory that we're uh, that we're in but let's i guess start off with uh, mark human comments from a couple of days ago where he's kind of taking the more optimistic view what do you think about what mark had to say and i guess starting to plan you know eventually for a return your thoughts
2: Well, I mean, you'd be foolish if you're the NBA or any of the quarantine sports right now in general. If you're not planning for for when you know the CDC says it's okay to uh, you know put the amount of people in a room needed to put on a live event, you have to be planning. Uh, But I I don't know if there's any reason to be optimistic or pessimistic at this point. You just have to kind of kind of watch and see what happens. I mean. You know, we, we I've been watching some of these daily presidential press briefings, and, you know, you have a president who doesn't know anything about the medical community, but he's saying, let's open up, and then doctors saying, no, it's too soon to tell. So I just think you have to kind of wait and see. I've always said that, you know, if they can get the CDC to approve uh, having 100 or less people in a room, you'll see the NBA come back because that's kind of the number – where if you include you know the people you put in the truck and uh, you know the people in each or, in each venue, you can put on NBA games in closed venues. You, you can do it, um, but that's really the max uh, or the, the minimum number to get something like this started. There would be people that are arguing you need more, but I think the number one hundred, if that if that CDC recommendation comes in mid May, I think you'll see the NBA move quickly to find a way to start the season.
3: So, Chris, you've come to uh, carry great credibility with our listeners. They're familiar with you for coming on the show for so long now. They believe what you say. Uh, and I know you're not a sociologist, but what effect would that restart of the season have on, on the American sporting public?
2: Oh, I think it would have a, a strong effect. Uh, I think we're seeing in just a short period of time how – you know, influential and important sports are in people's lives. I mean, people, um, you know, obviously they want to get out, get back to work and go about their normal lives, but, you know, they miss, you know, sports. And they certainly miss this time of year when you have, you know, the NBA playoffs, which would be starting in just a couple of weeks. You have the NHL playoffs, which would be right around the corner. Uh, Golf tournaments, horse racing. I mean, all these events that have been postponed or canceled, boxing, certainly something I'm dealing with at the moment um, you know, it's, it's, it's vital. So it, it, it's going to be, look, I, I would say to people, the one thing you, you know, can conceivably kind of look forward to is maybe if things go well, the greatest second half of the year in the history of sports, where you have, you know, every day, every weekend with something significant jammed into it, whether it's the Kentucky Derby followed by the masters followed by, you know, a tennis tournament followed by NBA playoffs and the world series. I mean, it could be a pretty cool finish to 2020 if, you know, we could all kind of get together and, and help to, to make sure that this, the, the world restarts in a timely manner.
1: Unfortunately for Rudy Gobert, Chris, he was the first, you know, prominent athlete to be diagnosed and it kind of brought everything to a screeching halt. Is this thing going to follow him? Or I, let, me, let me ask you this way, actually. How is he going to be viewed years down the line when this is all said and done?
2: You know, I, I don't think he'll be viewed negatively. Um, you know, it, I think Rudy's problems are more internal, short term right now, with how he kind of coexists with Donovan Mitchell and you know just how forgiving Mitchell is for everything that kind of went on there. I think in the grand scheme of things, in a way, you know gobert is is being given credit, you know, for you know being the guy that you know helped the NBA stop, which in turn helped sports stop, which maybe slowed the progress of this virus just a little bit. Now, that may be, he may be getting too much credit in some areas and he may be getting too much blame in some areas, but I don't look at this as being the kind of thing that will, you know, dog Rudy Gobert around for the rest of his career. He didn't, you know, hit a teammate or choke a coach or do anything like that that we've seen uh, sort of define some players in the past. I mean, I think it's just something that, that he gets over it. And I think most people realize by now, well, while Rudy was the first diagnosed, he probably wasn't the first to have it. I mean, you look at the number of players that have been diagnosed to this point, uh, I think there's a reasonable argument that can be made. Some of these players have had no connection with the Jazz whatsoever, uh, like a Kevin Durant, for example. I think there's there's no reason to believe that,
3: that Gobert uh, should be held accountable for something that was probably already out there anyway. So, Chris, if the season restarts, uh, whoever ends up being the champion, uh, if, it, if however it's crowned, uh, whatever format, whether it's you know best of five series, best of three series, whatever, uh, will there be an asterisk uh, connected to this whole thing or will that uh, not really be a factor?
2: No, I don't think there'll be an asterisk. I mean, they'll be remembered to a degree if you, if you go back and kind of look at it. But does anybody look at the 99-2000 season as – You know the Spurs having an asterisk next to it, Uh, the lockout shortened season of 2011. Does that uh, winner deserve an asterisk? I mean, no, not really. really. I mean, there have been seasons impacted by different things before, mostly work stoppages. But uh, if it picks up, but even if they shorten those first round series, I think that's. I do think that's the most likely scenario in in a lot of this. You see the first round series shortened to a best of five to try to expedite them a, a little bit more. Uh, but even if that's the case, there won't be any asterisk attached to it. It's just it, it, these things, unfortunately, happen. And I, hopefully, we don't see pandemics like this happen again. But um, if we don't think those '99, 2000 teams, the 2011 team, or any of the teams other than that had asterisks, we shouldn't think this season should have as well.
1: If we don't see any more regular season games, Chris, who's your MPP?
2: You know, I thought LeBron was trying to make it interesting, but you know, Giannis has some ridiculous numbers. I mean, he. He has he's having pretty, he's having the type of season statistically that we haven't seen from Shaq's MVP season in 2000 with the 30 points and the 13 rebounds. He's arguably the best defensive player in the game right now with his versatility. I mean he's he's the whole package. And, the, and you have to look at the fact that the Bucks still have the best record right now uh, in the NBA. So I mean, look, there should be a separate award for LeBron having the best age 35 season that we've ever seen. And it would be devastating, I think, for LeBron, as much as anybody, to miss out on the end of the season because he was playing great, his team was playing great, and you just don't know at 35, be 36 next year, you know, just how, uh, you know, how many years like this he has left. So, I mean, it's got to be really, really a body blow for LeBron if the season can't get restarted. But uh, I I don't, I don't think that takes away from what Giannis did. He is, uh, I think, by far and away the MVP.
3: I don't figure you as a betting man, Chris, but if you did have to uh, put uh, a few skittles down on the results of the postseason, which team do you think would be best suited to win it all? I think you have to, at this point, put your money on the
2: Lakers. Um, it, 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 look, the way they're playing at the stoppage was great. Beating the Clippers, beating Milwaukee. It, it's you know, Look, I, I did this a lot in the Eastern Conference, but... Betting against LeBron is just foolish in the playoffs. I mean, just is he just has a way of pulling out you know series against conference foes. And as dominant as the Bucks have been, and I think they would be in an Eastern Conference playoffs, you know, asking a team like Milwaukee with very few players with real Finals experience to step into that situation against the Lakers against LeBron and win a series like that, you know, that'd be hard to do. So I think this, I would have favored the Lakers. I mean, the Western Conference playoffs would be a gauntlet. I mean, there are a lot of teams out there that give you trouble beginning in that first round. Uh, But uh, I I just think that there's too much firepower in L.A. and and too much star power with LeBron to, to bet against anybody else.
1: Chris Mannix of Sports Illustrated with us in 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Chris, this isn't a question, but really more get your thoughts on an observation. Isn't it interesting that if, let's say, we get, we get through this situation and are able to have playoffs, and that's, that's where we pick up with the NBA, just go right into the playoffs, isn't it ironic that, uh, that load management at that point will have meant nothing? <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll say this. I, I bet if they do a back-to-back, Hawaii would still sit it out in the <laughs> second end of a back-to-back. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see that at all. I mean, it is. Look, there's a lot of interesting things to to playing into the summertime. I mean, it, not, not just the fact that you'd come back with players. I mean, players coming back after this hiatus will probably be in the worst shape they've been in their entire sporting lives because for the most part, you know, these guys are doing home workouts. They're doing the same, you know, fitness 360s or whatever it is that you and I are doing, you know, in in our homes. Like most of these guys don't have home gyms. And I've talked to some, some private trainers who are, you know, looking forward to the, the opportunity to get out there and work individually with their clients. But right now, no gyms are open. There's no place for them to go for the most part with these guys. So I think it'll be interesting if the league says we can play beginning like July 1st, you know, they've got to have some kind of training camp here. Like they've got to, give them at least two weeks, maybe longer. I know Jared Dudley said recently they needed a month to get back into shape because it could be dangerous. I mean, that's, if you come back too fast to a playoff-like atmosphere, I mean, that's how injuries happen. Like, you know, bad injuries, Achilles tears, ACL tears, you know, those kind of injuries that you could see be be crippling for players' careers. Um, you know, that, that's something the NBA, and I'm sure they are thinking about it, but that's something they have to think about You know, very strongly as they prepare to come back, giving these guys enough time to work their way back into shape before you throw them into a high-intensity uh, playoff
3: situation. Obviously the COVID-19 is the biggest surprise, I guess, of this season, but as you look back at what actually took place on the court, Chris, uh, what, what is your biggest surprise? And uh, let me add another one on to that. If you looked at the organization and the scheming and the motivational, all that stuff that goes into coaching, who would you pick as the coach that's done the best job?
2: Well, on the first part, I don't think the way the Celtics have played all season long is, has been a surprise. I mean, they have been a top five defensive team despite the fact they lost their entire front line. And, you know, I mean, Kyrie Irving, taking him out of that equation really settled that locker room and, and I think turned them into to a real threat to come out of the East this year. Um, it, it's kind of a co-winner there in my mind with the Lakers because I, I thought the Lakers, with eight new players on the roster, would have a lot of trouble blending that group together, as we've seen countless times before, but they blended them seamlessly. Frank Vogel's been terrific, um, and they they really hit the ground running and really never stopped uh, with that team. The coach of the year, to me, is pretty easy. It's, it's Nick Nurse. I mean, you, you take Kawhi Leonard off that team, and they've got a comparable record to what they had a year ago, and they're viewed as a, a real threat to win in the Eastern Conference. The development of Pascal Siakam, the development of guys I've ever heard of, like Terrence Anderson and and Chris Boucher and others that are in that rotation. I mean, it's wild how well they've played all season long. I just, I can't think of anybody else I'd give it to. They've been some the good coaching jobs. I mean, I think Vogel's been, been excellent. Mike budenholzer has been really good. Uh, a number of guys there, but I just, I, I, you know, Taylor, uh, Taylor Jenkins in, in Memphis, certainly. But you, you removed Kawhi Leonard, like Kawhi freaking Leonard from that team, and they're just as good. I mean, that, that is a credit to the coaching of that group.
1: So, Chris, I know you're you're still busy riding and still busy doing your thing, but uh, when you're not with no NBA around, what do you what do you do to uh, pass the time?
2: Uh, well, I am fortunate that I have got two residences, so I tra- I travel between Boston, and Vermont, Vermont, where I really can kind of unwind. And I mean, I guess the blunt answer is drink a lot of wine, like that's <laughs> you know part of it. So you know, hopefully. Uh, my wine delivery will be getting extra orders from some of the vineyards I have on the West Coast that send me stuff, so I'll uh, I'll do my best to to not become too much of a wine addict uh, during this hiatus. But that's pretty much what I do: drink a lot of wine and watch a lot
3: of bad movies. Since since we're getting all personal here, uh, oh boy, will, will you be thinner or thicker after this uh, hiatus? That that's a that's
2: a great question because I, I think it's a question everybody asks. Like my eating habits tell me, like I've tried to blend. You know, I've I bought I bought more workout equipment than I ever have in my life. Like I've ordered boxing bags and <laughs> you know uh, kettlebells and things like that. At the same time, like I quite literally, when I'm in Boston, press the Uber Eats like reorder button for the same thing every time. And and what I order is not healthy. It's not healthy at all. So I'm gonna try like that. Maybe that's like an April resolution to you know do the best of it with the workouts and you know try desperately not to order pepperoni pizza from Tony's down the street every, <laughs> you know, every other day.
3: Chris, would this be a good time for you to write a book?
2: Yeah, God bless the people that have written books, but I've tried a couple of times, and it's mostly books that I've I've had somebody ask me to ghostwrite for them, and it's just hard, man. It's hard, you know, and, and fortunately, like, you know, with the writing stuff, I'm still doing a lot, like I'm writing tomorrow about you know, kind of the merits of playing summer basketball and how, if the NBA should consider changing that schedule full-time. And, you know, working with the zone, they kind of have me doing a daily show, you know, via Skype with my broadcast partner, Sergio Mora. So I've been kept reasonably busy on this end. I would, I guess the longest thing, I would love to write a book, but man, people that have written books out there, and I know some great, great book writers, novelists, Mark Kriegel's one of my favorite writers over at ESPN. He's done it a couple of times. Uh, it, it's just hard. It, and it's so time-consuming that that I just can't see myself doing it.
1: Yeah, Gordon just asked you that, Chris, because he's thinking of pending a romantic thriller and just wants to know oh, yeah. if you have hey, any advice. Yeah, that's what it's going to be, hey, Chris. Yeah. Hey, those, mm-hmm. those,
2: those, those dime store, you know, those uh, tabloid books, the stop-and-shop uh, books there, they sell well, man. Danielle Steele, she's made a fortune off that in her career. I once took a college class that was based on Danielle Steele novels. I remember that off the top of my head now, but
3: that was a great class. Are you, are you a romantic at heart? no not at all but it was
2: like a class like i, I grew up reading john Grisham books and i loved them and i i was like all right this seems like a, a book of you know, a class of easy books and i kept reading these ridiculous daniel steel novels <laughs> shout out to boston college for offering that uh, during my junior year i mean I, I i could not have asked for a better class at that point
1: see now chris i could say you probably took that for the same reason i took ballroom dance and that's to obviously meet you know eligible women
2: I don't even know why I was taking it. I think I was looking for a gimme, and, and that seemed like a gimme. Like, I like reading those books, but I, I probably should have taken ballroom dancing. I, I'm more of like if you ever see the movie Hitch, I'm like Will Smith in Hitch, where I just move side to side and don't get too uh, don't get too active in the dance floor.
1: Well, Chris, thank you so much as always for jumping on with us, man. We look forward to catching you up up with you next week. You got it, guys. Thanks, Chris. Our friend Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated, uh, obviously one of the terrific NBA writers out there, covers boxing as well, and always a highlight of our week right here on The Big Show.
3: You know, it brings up a great point. What was the most ridiculous class you ever took in college? All of them. Was it ballroom dance for you? It was probably ballroom dance for me,
1: but I got to tell you, I really enjoyed the class though. It was awesome. I, I enjoyed it way more than I thought I would.
3: I could see, Austin, couldn't you see uh, Jake out there, uh, soft shoeing around? Absolutely. Jake, I think, would be a great ballroom dancer. Yeah, I could see in the full tucks, you know, with the tails flying. Gene Astaire,
0: or uh, Fred Astaire, Gene right. Kelly, Jake Scott. Exactly. Exactly. That's how it goes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I could mambo, you know? I could now could mambo. Could you rumba? I don't know if we learned the rumba. I don't think we did. I don't know. What's we learned the the, the cha cha, the waltz, the.
0: Mambo. I mean, I like
3: chicks better than uh, guys, but I gotta say, <laughs> Fred Astaire had it going on, and so did Gene Kelly. I have no idea what I was talking about there, but uh, uh, yeah. I, I, and did you meet anybody when you were out there ballroom dancing? I gotta say,
1: I did not come away from that class uh, with uh, with a girlfriend, but I tried. I did my best. What about you? What's the most ridiculous class you took?
3: Hmm. You know I never took a single math class in college, not a single math class. Well, that didn't answer the question. How did I do that? I took a stats class. Uh,
1: um, stats is math, you know that, right?
3: Yeah, but it's not it's not like trigonometry or calculus. But or by
1: definition, math
3: A statistics class is a mathematics
1: class. Correct.
3: Well, by the time I took that I may have gotten a little help along the way, but uh, are you saying you cheated? No, I didn't cheat. I would never cheat. You know how I feel about cheaters.
1: Well wait, wait a minute. What was that? Well, with a little help along the way, what, what, what were you referring to there?
3: Uh, I I had a friend that uh, that helped you. No, no, no. Helped me understand the concepts of what I was dealing with. Hmm. That's what.
1: Most well, ridiculous. I'm gonna have to you think the about answers? that
3: because there had no, there had to be some classes that uh, that uh, did, Austin, did you take a bowling class or something? Uh, I did, in fact, yes. That's fairly ridiculous, isn't
0: it? I don't know. I, I aced it, so that
3: helped. <laughs> are, you, are you now? What's your, what was
0: your average? Uh one sixty something. It wasn't that. Oh, great. really? Yeah. Well, what? You, that's pretty good. That is good. And well, that's when in college I used to go bowling once a week but it was that that's what me and my friends did so i was good then i'm not now cosmic bowling cosmic bowling cosmic bowling cosmic
3: bowling you have was your the own best. ball with your monogram on there did i had my own
0: ball it? that i picked up from the di yeah and it had a, a it came in a nice bag and it said Mary on the ball that was my ball
1: how come when you ask us these questions by the way gordon we turn them around and ask you and you just duck them every single time
0: yeah when you were cheating in your stats class did you ever <laughs> go bowling not... <laughs> I never cheated. Mm. Uh, I just don't
1: understand. We say, hey, Gordon, what's the just most like ridiculous the class you've ever taken? And, oh, I never took a math class. That doesn't answer the question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I,
3: I I had to have mixed in some stupid class somewhere. I, I had a public speaking class that was, that was fairly, uh, uh, let's just say it wasn't overly challenging because all you had to do was get up in front of the class and Talk.
1: But you get I mean, directly related to what you do for a living. That is so true. That would not be ridiculous. That, was, that is true. <laughs> that
3: was my favorite class
0: I ever took. Really? Oh, yeah. Fun stuff. UVU did a great job of that
1: yeah. Oh, Public speaking class.
0: Completely ridiculous. I have no idea <laughs> why never, I, I took no it. Have it. No I have no use for this. Never <laughs>
1: used the skill again in my life.
0: <laughs> oh,
1: man. Uh, that and I, creative writing. Yeah, you what, what was it. I doing there? <laughs>
3: that old news reporting <laughs> class I took. Ridiculous. I still remember as uh, before I had decided what to major in, I took a uh, a news writing class. I guess uh, it was like a beginning journalism class, and uh, every week the professor would have each of the students bring in a uh, a, a, a a bit of news that we thought was uh, somehow significant. And after after the class, he came up to me and said, have you thought about uh, studying journalism? And I said, oh, a little bit, not really. And he said, you've got an eye for it. I'll never forget that guy. I'll never forget that guy saying that to me. I can't remember what I did yesterday. I can't remember what I did last week. But I remember him Coming up to me and saying, "Son, maybe you ought to look into this." They call you. So son? don't give me don't give me any more crap about my not sports report. All right, because that is uh, and an, uh, sort of an indication of my eye for that, which is extraordinary.
0: Well, I got news for you. I'm going to still give you crap. <laughs> yeah, I
1: am too. But but the whole thing is, is you. Uh, I'm you're lucky that you went through that in a moment and not me, because my initial thought would be. Don't call me son, you condescending jerk. Who are you, new Rockney? You're not my dad. Son,
3: get up out of here, sir. I don't remember whether he actually called me son, but he was an older gentleman who had been around the block a few times, and I thought he was a wise uh, wise man. And he, he had a, sort of a hard edge to him, too, that was uh, kind of a grizzled journalistic ves- veteran kind of vibe. And uh, I What was his name? Gordon Monson. His last last name was Fairbanks.
1: Come to think of it, it was me.
3: (laughs) I came up to myself myself and said, Boy, you are good at this, son.
1: I've got a gift. (laughs) <laughs> Stay tuned more big show coming up next we want to remind you about our good friends at RGS Exteriors. They will improve the curb appeal for your house with James Hardy brick stone and stucco exteriors along with soffit fascia and rain gutters. Check them out at RGSUtahSiding.com. More straight ahead it's the big show, Gordon. Hey, Jake,
3: to... Yeah. I, I think I took a pottery cloth. Sorry.
1: Okay. Like well, at least that's an answer. That's what we're <laughs> at least that's an answer. Thank you, okay. Gordon. Thank All you.
3: Right. You're
1: More straight ahead, 97.5 and twelve eighty. The zone.
3: The best way to describe Rick is somebody said. Actually, I think it was me.